Welcome to a very special 20th episode of Around the League. We've got a ton to break down today. The NBA offseason has been nothing short of a highlight reel. A lot of transactions, a lot of disgruntled superstars, and we've got training camp. That's right, training camp, starting in less than a week. But before we dig in, let's touch in with our boy, Tuan. 20 episodes, baby. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Can't believe we're, we're 20 episodes deep. You know, this little conversation that we had back in March, um, you know, me asking you if you th- thought it'd be a good idea to put together a podcast, something that our friends and family could listen to. And yeah, man, now we are in the middle of November, 20 episodes deep. It feels good, man. It feels good. I really like where we're at with this. And uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on where we've come and where we started from, you know? It's crazy. 20 episodes in, but like at least 15 trial episodes. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. And for those of you that are listening, I remember the first call that we had over the phone, three hours long. We were talking, <laughs> we were talking yeah. about sort of like the Raptors and how much they've grown as an organization. And we were just sort of piloting to see if uh, if you and I could, you know, hold a conversation basketball related for a long time. And sure enough, it was three hours. Yeah, I think that was a good test run. I remember being in quarantine, coming back from Portland. And jumping on a call with you, just seeing how how much we knew and how much we could uh, talk about, and those three hours flew by. And I think right away we um, we knew that we could do this uh, for a long time. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and you know, more episodes to come for sure. Yeah, how uh, how are you? How's how's uh, everything going? You know, we just had our first major snow snowfall, snow storm, and you know, things are kind of going back to normal in terms of weather wise and. In uh, Kitchener, uh, you know, going back into kind of the red zone now too. How are things going with you and uh, Shona? Yeah, man, everything's good. Red zone's kind of shitty. Yeah, you know, I thought we were making so much progress come May, June, July. Yeah. Um, things felt normal again, and then now we're restricted in what we can do, where we can go. Um, just sort of like TBD with regards to Christmas. You know, by now you have family functions, friend functions, all that figured out, but everything's sort of left up in the air right now. Um, how about you? How are you handling it? Going yeah. to the gym still or using the workouts at home? Uh, the last few weeks I've been going to the gym just because I've missed uh, the heavy weights. Can't really do squats or deadlifts at home. I do have a little gym at home that I could get kind of um, get a bit of workout in, but it's not the same, obviously. And it's, it sucks now that only 10 people are allowed into the gyms, especially at Good Life. It's like maxed at 10, no matter where you are in the gym itself. So I know it's a little different from a body, but definitely sucks. Was trying to get a workout in today, but no luck. So tomorrow and Thursday um, is when I'll try to get back in there. Yeah, shout out to Movadi. Not gonna lie, they've actually done a really good job. Like uh, the app that they have is so user-friendly, believe it or not, for a fitness facility. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you can log in for tomorrow. If you wanna sign up, it'll tell you how many spots are available, if any. Uh, you can join a waiting list, and then when that spot comes up, if it does, it notifies you. Um, so it's been good. At least, you know, we can still go to the gym. Who knows, though? You know, things might get more strict, might get tighter. Uh, just depends on how things go with these cases. Yeah, I'm just trying to pack in as much gym time as I can before. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. Lockdown for now. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You are saying you were watching The Queen's Gambit? Yeah. So from your suggestions from yours and... Stefan's suggestion, I pounded that through with uh, with Jackie, and it was such a good show. And again, I've never played chess in my life before. I've never pl- I've never moved a piece uh, on the board before, 
and uh, definitely want to uh, learn how to play chess um, over the brick and you know buy buy a chess board and play with Jackie he, he used to be in a uh, club so he's definitely a lot better than I am but you know I think uh, it's a super interesting game and I definitely want to watch it how did you find find the first season we were just flipping through channels and or sorry we were flipping through shows on Netflix and we got by the we passed through the Queen's Gambit show and I was like oh I heard this was good uh, one episode in I think that night we crushed like three or four <laughs> <laughs> it's short it's short it's not that long like 40, it's only it's minutes. only yeah 45 minutes but too bad it's only seven episodes because i actually found it really interesting i've heard a couple people say um, it's kind of dry kind of boring but not the case for me i actually found it pretty damn interesting yeah i really liked it i really liked it um just like the main character is so interesting she's like a junkie kind yeah. of from like a young <laughs> that's, age that's my favorite part that's my favorite part like eating needs- green pills at the age of eight or nine um, but yeah, man, I mean, silver lining throughout all of this. I know that we've talk, been talking about COVID, but like we mentioned, uh, the 2020-2021 season is less than a month away. Crazy. Training camp starts in less than a week. And it looks like, are we getting a Christmas Day start of the season? No, it's like the 22nd or 23rd. 22nd or yeah. 23rd, but yeah. either way, you know, despite if we're celebrating Christmas with friends and family, regardless of that, we still get the NBA, which is going to be sick. Maybe the Raptors might get a Christmas Day game today or this year. <laughs> That'd be awesome. They just unleashed their city jerseys, their alternate city jerseys, oh. which I can get behind. I think oh. those are sick. Yeah, those are better than the Chevron ones that they, that they yeah. released. They could have done those in a few colorways. Yeah. And I thought that would have been a lot better than uh, what they recently released. Yeah, I really like this, yeah. All right, well, let's jump into it. Um, before we get into free agency and transactions, why don't we talk about the draft? Because, I mean, you're a big draft guy. I'm going to admit I'm not the biggest draft guy. Like, I'll watch the first five picks. I'll turn it off. Once we get to the Raptors picks, I'll tune in again and then tune back out. Uh, what are your thoughts on the first five picks in the NBA draft? Uh, so I, I do follow quite a bit of college ball, uh, follow all the draft boards and just from even the top three picks, I think each team definitely got better, uh, starting with any Anthony Edwards with, uh, the Timberwolves. I think he fills a really big need for them. Uh, that a team that's young with D'Angelo Russell with Cat in there. And now they have a kind of a go-to guy that you can kind of give the ball to late seconds of a shot clock and he can create. He can either score, he can pass. He's a freak athlete, 6'5", I think he's like 230, 240. So he's a big, big dude. And uh, he's drafted number one for a reason because he is an outstanding athlete, um, great passer. It's just his shot selection isn't too, um, too ideal. But I think those three can really um, create a solid base for, for that team. And then... Wait, before you, before you go into the next pick, um, what are your thoughts on his approach to the game? Because I was pretty shocked when I saw... I actually liked his... his I felt like I liked his attitude. I liked his interview. I loved how he had like paintings of his mom and his grandma. I was like, this guy looks like he has a good head on his shoulders. Yeah. And then there was like reports that in his interview, he was basically saying that he's starting to develop more of a love for basketball. Or something like that, yes. like you know, like he's starting to. I was just blown away by his lack of interest in the sport, despite going first overall. Yeah, I think he grew up loving the game of football, and he was a big football star. But once he kind of started playing basketball and 
started to notice that he is a lot better than the other kids, he started playing that. And, you know, how, how can you really blame him? So I think during the, the draft interviews and interviews with ESPN and whatever else, um, he, he mentioned that he loves football. And if he could play football, he would over basketball, which I don't, th- I don't think you can really knock him on that. Uh, he's a m- major athlete. And um, I think there's some scares because of the team that's drafting him and the kind of the nightmare that happened with Andrew Wiggins, who is, a, again, a super athlete and can jump out of the gym, but he just doesn't have, you know, the love and the dedication to the sport of basketball that, you know, some of these other guys do. And I think that's where the little scare was, but I think he's going to turn out to be a really, really good player. Yeah, I think the only concern I would have for the Timberwolves is the locker room. Like, you know, they're a pretty young team. Who Who's the voice in that locker room? By yeah, now, is it no. D'Angelo, Russell, and Kat? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, like, who mentors him, chaperones him, grooms him, because that's going to be huge for a guy like him. So they, they got Rubio back um, from, the, from the OKC deal. So I think he is the... Default leader, default vocal um, uh, guy in there, and I think uh, Rubio is, you know, I think he'll be able to put guys in the right position. Um, Again, he's the first pass or pass first point guard who's super unselfish, and I think he'll definitely help them out. I'm not sure who else is on that team that's a veteran voice or a leader in there, but it'd be interesting to see how how they build that team um, moving forward. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting for sure. Uh, yeah, going on to number two, Golden State with Wiseman. Interesting because the same day, unfortunately for the Warriors, you know they lost Clay. And we'll talk about that later. Uh, but losing Clay, they still go with Wiseman. A lot of people were saying that due to the injury, they met, they should have looked at Lamelo. What are your thoughts on him? I don't know where. Like, tell me about James Wiseman. Uh, so Wiseman was the number one player um, coming out of high school, and he joined the Memphis Tigers with Penny Hardaway, um, but only played three games because I think he. He took some like a very small amount of money or was gifted something. I'm not sure of the all the details, but he was suspended for um, the early part of the year. Played three games, killed it, but then uh, left the program to uh, work on his uh, game to prepare for the draft. So most likely, if he had played a full season at Memphis, um, they probably would have performed really well. He probably would have been the number one pick. Uh, just because how dominant he is, he's mm. a he's a lefty, so his game reminds people a lot of like Chris Bosh, um, a super energetic uh, big who runs the floor, rebounds really well, has a face-up game, and I think he's going to fit super well with with Golden State. Unfortunate with the the Clay injury, um, they would have been you know a major threat in the West if they were able to have their whole team back. But I think he'll do a great job of filling in that need of a big guy that's going to, you know, attack the rim, uh, be there for the lobs, and just be a great defender. And, yeah, he's he has a lot of skill. He has a lot of potential. And it's just kind of we're in an era now where bigs aren't as aren't the vocal point of an offense anymore. They're kind of more complementary players in a guard-oriented league now. Uh, so I, I want to, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he – fills that niche and how he fills fills a role for himself. Yeah, even you know before Clay got injured, that was probably the one spot that they needed to upgrade. A lot of people were saying that they should look at Serge Ibaka. A lot of people were saying you know Marcus Saul, uh, maybe Demarcus Cousins again. But it looks like they went with a rookie, and I feel like he's just going to get plugged in right away. 
And just looking, I know, you know, it's never a good indicator, but just looking at, you know, highlights, it seems as though with his athleticism and length, he's going to be a good fit right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, I think playing uh, beside Draymond is going to be huge for him. Another big that can um, not really spread the forward, but he's more of a playmaker, and he'll find him in the right spots. And I think Steph's playmaking is under underrated as well. Everyone just thinks of him as a shooter and as, you know, as a massive scorer, but um, his playmaking is, you know, on par with some of the, some of the other guys. He just doesn't um, get looked at that way because of how well of a shooter he is. Yeah. Um, let's do one more. Yeah. We obviously have to talk about the third pick, probably the most polarizing pick, uh, yeah. the most exciting pick in the NBA draft because uh, it could go either way. And what better team to pick them <laughs> <laughs> than, the, uh, than the frivolous Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, so Lamella Ball, um, brother of Lonzo, obviously, and... I, I like his game. I like he's a, I think he, you can compare him to like a Sean Livingston when he came out of um, high school. Mm. A really tall guard, playmaking guard. Um, he has a iffy shot, but he takes a lot of shots. So I think he shot like 25, uh, around the 25-30% range when he was in the NBL. And I don't, definitely not his uh, strongest uh, point, but he's a really good passer. Um, a great instinctively or instinctive rebounder. So someone who like like poor size, he's a really good rebounder and he pushes the ball quite a bit. So in in the new era of basketball where you know you're trying to push push a pace, try to get quick threes, he's gonna be a great facilitator. Um, now it just depends on if he's able to develop that shot. Very similar to his brother, he kind of has an ugly shot. He's not ever on balance, and he does have poor. Um, shot selection but I think that's just because when he was in Lithuania when he was playing in his dad's JBL league and then playing in the NBL he was always given the keys to the offense so he was asked to do everything for that for 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 any of those teams but now when he's you know now you're playing in an actual team led by guys like Terry Rogier, uh Devontae Graham you're not gonna have the ball in your hands 100% of the time and I think he's gonna just have to find his niche but I think he is um, off the bat, a really good passer. Um, a lot of guys are saying that he's going to be one of the best passers, um, you know, coming into the league. And I, I don't think you can really say that just because he's still so young and the game is at such a um, faster pace. And guys are so much bigger, lengthier, and it's still to be unseen if or un- <clears throat> to be seen if he's able to become that that great passer that he's shown um, early on in his career going to be interesting like like we were saying he's a he's a huge question mark but if there's anyone that can handle the spotlight in in that draft mm-hmm. it's him you know he's been under spotlight ever since he was 12 years old yeah um but there's also something to be said about a guy that has been like has the ultra green light since he was that age in chino hills yeah. he was allowed to do whatever he wanted whenever he wanted mm-hmm. so he's sort of got like you know these reps taking all the shots, yeah. making all the big plays. And a lot of players just don't get the luxury of having that available to them, right? Even in Australia, he was doing the same thing. Um, and I think that he's obviously going to have a lesser role with the Charlotte Hornets now that they've got Gordon Hayward and um, Terry Rozier, which we'll talk about later. But I think it's going to be good for him because he's not going to have to do as much as he did previously mm-hmm. growing up. Um 
but he'll have the ability to start. He'll have the ability to take enough shots, make enough mistakes. Yeah, I think with that with that team, they don't really have too many high ceiling guys. No, they're bad enough that yeah. he's going to be able to exactly do quite a bit. But, but I think yeah, but he'll be surrounded with like decent enough players to get his game going and to feel confident when he passes the ball to someone like Gordon Hayward, to Rogier, to PJ Washington. Um, so yeah, they they have a, they have a decent young core. Um, definitely not comparable to some of the other teams, but if he if he's a home run then or a slam dunk, I should say, um, then it's looking up for them for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I hope it works out for him. I'd love to see um, his skill set come to fruition. Physically, he's like what any team would want mm-hmm. with his size, his yep. length, exactly. and his skill set. Exactly. The ability to dribble, pass, shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe got to work on that. But, um, <laughs> let's move on to free agency because this was an interesting year because all the blue chippers or most of the blue chippers, they're going to be available next offseason. And for for a offseason for a free agency class that didn't have as much star power, there was no shortage of transactions. There was no shortage of entertainment. Um, and a lot of teams got better. A lot of teams stayed the same. So just asking you, like, who are your maybe one or two teams that you think just got a lot better? Who are the big winners in free agency for you? Yeah, there's a lot, a lot to unravel. So many players moving. There's a ton. To moving teams. So I'm not going to try to, you know, point out every name. But I think the, the clear winner in this free agent, free agent uh, period so far are the Lakers. The rich got richer. Yeah, the rich got richer. The defending champs were the champs of free agency, for sure. Polinka is doing a great job, man. He's and doing it's, a great job. It's funny because, I mean, I personally trashed the Lakers front office because of just their inability to show competence mm-hmm. for like the longest time. And this offseason, they have done a 180, a complete 180. I mean, they're showing that um, for a team that's like capped, yeah. For a team that's virtually capped, yeah. I feel like every headline I read is <laughs> this player signing with the Lakers. Like, how? How is this possible? Yeah. Yeah. With with the uh, they just released the Marcus All number. He's signing for like two years, less than five million dollars total. Right. So it's like two, 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 two and a half million dollars for Marcus All is one of the biggest bargains in the league by far, by far. Like I don't know why the Raptors didn't even just say, hey, take three mil a year and stay with this team. I, well, that's the thing because he's our star- he was our starting center. Yeah, I know. And we offered Serge Ibaka one year 12. Mm-hmm. We ended up picking up Aaron Baines for two years 14. Yeah. So I'd be blown away if we find out that we didn't offer more than five mil to Marcus Yeah, Hall. that's I'm, I'm kind of questioning that move. I'm not sure what's going on. There's definitely stuff behind the scenes, I'm sure. Clutch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or he just wanted to... Play for you know the defending champs and a team that probably is the favorite to win everything going to the season. You know he's he's on his last leg. There were rumors that he was going to back to Barcelona, so I think he just wants to win. And I think he's made enough money throughout his career. And you know I'm sure he got you know a little bird uh, talking to his ear, a bug story, and that's probably his brother saying, "Hey, how great of an organization the Lakers are, and his best chance to win a championship for the next two years." Yeah, that's a good point because. Um, and we'll get to the Toronto Raptors later, but they made it very clear what their intentions are. You know, offering uh, offering Serge one year, twelve million, that puts them right under the cap. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure they offered something very similar to Marcus Gasol that didn't mortgage their future. They're all in on next year's free agency. And they're amongst, you know, three or four teams that have been super quiet because they want to prepare. They want to they want to lure the big guy, Giannis. And it's it's definitely evident in the way that Toronto's moved over the offseason. But um, for a guy like Gasol that maybe ha- only has two years left, mm-hmm. why not why not go to a contender? Yeah. Because the Lakers are ready to go. They're the defending champs. And by the other moves that they made, it looks like they're going to go right to the finals out yeah, of the they, West. They, they, they look like the, the clear favorites. They added Montrose Harrell. Um, leaving the Clippers to join the rivals. I'm just... And I don't know how they're going to pay this guy. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, how much is he going to make? Oh, he's making uh, 19 mil for two years. He's, Which I feel like is undervalued. Under, yeah, especially for a six-man like Derek Jones, who uh, was previously with the Miami Heat, and now with Portland, he got two, two years, 19 mil. He's definitely undervalued. I think he kind of got exposed in the playoffs. When Jokic and Plumlee were kind of taking advantage of him, uh, he's just a s- smaller power forward center, and I know he was I know he was um, out of out of the bubble for a bit because of family matters, I believe. Uh, so he didn't have his legs under him. Definitely not in the round against the Nuggets. And um, yeah, he when I saw those numbers, I, I was kind of surprised too. He didn't get a lot of years. He didn't get uh, a big amount. Um, so I'm wondering if you know teams are just kind of scared off by by how he performed in the in the playoffs. Yeah, well, I feel like if you want to if you want to raise your market value, there's no better way to do it than play for the Lakers. Um, you have two good years with that team, despite the fact you're making 19 mil over two years. You play well in those two years, win at least one championship, if not two. Um, you're going to get paid. Yeah. in the years to come. Yeah. So it might have been a, a good move on his part. Yeah, look at Rondo on his last legs. No one really wanted him. Joins the Lakers, wins a championship, vital part of that team, and now he's with Atlanta two years, $15 million. Yeah. I mean, the Lakers upgraded in every single position. Um, the fact that uh, the fact that they have, like we said, Montrezl Harrell, um, the fact that they got Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, they got Wesley Matthews. Wesley Matthews, who, in my opinion, was a big upgrade from Danny Green. Um, I just feel like he's more capable of hitting those open threes. Maybe not on the defensive end like Danny Green, but they're going to be fine defensively, especially with the acquisition of Harold or Marc Gasol yeah. and Dennis Schroeder, who was arguably the sixth man of the year last year. Exactly. So they got they got both. They got the the, the winner and the runner up basically of of that on award. one team on one team now, right? And yeah, man, they got a lot of firepower. They got a lot of firepower. And then now you have LeBron, you have Marc Gasol, you have Anthony Davis. Um, you got Kuzma, you got... So we just listed off like yeah. seven or eight guys. That's your that's your playoff rotation. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, despite how Marcus All played in the playoffs uh, for the Raptors this year, um, there's no better guy to have on the floor with a guy like Anthony Davis and LeBron James other than like a savvy center who can play make like yeah. Marcus All. Exactly. exactly, exactly. They're going to be dangerous. No, I agree. I, they they are definitely the the clear favorites to come out of the West. And the clear favorites as winners so far of of free agency for sure. Um, let's just talk about the Clippers real quick because that was a big rivalry last season. That's probably going to be the, be the big rivalry again this season. Um, they upgraded tremendously. I think even though they lost Montrez Harrell, I would take Serge Ibaka over Montrez Harrell for the next two years any day. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah, same. Obviously. 
I don't think that's a question. <laughs> so that's that was a big get for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's re- reunited with Kawhi. I think they've they had good chemistry on and off the court. You know, when Kawhi was here, we saw a lot of Abaka with him, kind of being his um, his buddy, and you know him being so conservative and quiet. It was surprising to see that someone kind of outgoing like Serge um, would be a part of his life. But uh, yeah, they're, they're reunited. In, uh, in LA and yeah they also added Luke Kennard added necessary shooting or needed shooting there and I think they're still a really really strong team definitely can't count them out I know they flamed out a bit against the Nuggets and really collapsed embarrassed by the embarrassed, Nuggets embarrassed I was just thinking about that last just, play when Jokic I've... did the behind the back to <laughs> Jamal Murray just salt in the wound they didn't bench their centers when they sh- they're up by 30 they kept their centers in the game in the fourth yeah. and just kept embarrassing them yeah yeah um, it'll be interesting to see how how he plays alongside Zubats Zubats now with obviously that Paul George they still have Lou um, they still got a lot of firepower and they got a new coach so a new voice Someone who has won um, a championship in Tai Lu, and they're they're still definitely probably number two in the West. Um, I don't. I think it's clearly uh, them and the Lakers one two, and it's just gonna be when if they see each other in the Western Conference Finals, um, we'll be able to see who who had the better offseason. Yeah, I think if they you know. We're we're expecting both of them to make it to the Western Conference Finals this year. Obviously, it didn't happen last year. I think if there's a team that's not going to make it this year, it's going to be the Clippers once again. Yeah. Um, we were just talking about Serge Ibaka and how much of a good fit he is with that team because uh, he can do it all. He's he's unreal in my opinion. I'm a little yeah, bit of no, a fanboy. My voice unreal. my voice is cracking because I miss him already. But I think you know we were talking about this. I think. The, the big value add for Serge Ibaka is actually off the court. And we've talked about it numerous times about how uh, the Clippers lack leadership, even though mm-hmm. their best players uh, can lead by example. They're not vocal. Yeah. And I think Serge is going to be an ultimate glue guy for that team like he was with the Raptors. I think he's going to really help to sort of galvanize them in the locker room. Um, but I think their big void is still the point guard position. Patrick Ve- Beverly, um, he's legit, but... They need a guy like Lowry. Like they need a guy that's vocal, that yeah. can that can run a team, um, and yeah, I think that that's sort of the one spot they, they need to figure out how to upgrade this season. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with via the, trade or something. Yeah, I, I agree with the first point with there with Abaka being the vocal leader. He's you know we we've seen him go at other dudes on the court throwing punches. He's gonna be the protector. He's gonna be the bruiser on on that team and he's going to be definitely a huge uh, vocal uh, and impactful leader for that team and definitely that point guard need is definitely still there but I think maybe this makes sense or not but having Ty Lue who's a former point guard and now you know kind of the the general on on that team he's going to be able to navigate that I think uh, a little better than uh, uh, than Doc was able to for sure. Yeah, shit, you just made me think about those haymakers that he used to throw. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with like, it's like Marquise Chris. You can go on, YouTube, you can go on yeah, YouTube. And it's he, like, he, he's like, it's 50-50. If, he, if those punches connect with someone's face, it's game over. And he doesn't hold no punches. Oh, he, no, like, he, he really throws them. He's not holding anything back. He's looking for that 10-game suspension, like knocking a dude out for for half a season type punches. Like, he does not care. <laughs> Damn, we lost a lot of muscle. Yeah, we did. 
We did. Let's keep. Let's stick to the West though, because um, few teams, few teams made some big upgrades. Um, mainly the Phoenix Suns. In my opinion, I think that they're the one team that got significantly better, and I'm looking forward to see what they what they um, what they become. I think their potential is potentially Oklahoma's um, Oklahoma's success this yeah. series or yeah. this season. I think that Phoenix has the ability to become like a four or five seed in the West. Um, what What are your thoughts on on Phoenix, or is there another team that you thought did a did a really good job in the off season? No, I like I like the Phoenix. Uh, what what Phoenix did uh, this off season, obviously getting the biggest uh, prize uh, for them is getting Chris Paul um, and playing him along Devin Booker. It's gonna take a lot of stress, take a lot of pressure off him to handle the ball, to bring up the ball, and. You know, his numbers probably go, go down a little bit, but they're going to be a really strong team, adding Jay Crowder in there. Which is um, huge. It's huge, huge get for them. And I really like what Chris Paul bring, brings to them. If you just take that OKC blueprint and now you're adding it on to what Phoenix has done, you know, taking um, eight games in the bubble, riding that momentum, uh, really young team still. Uh, even if Chris Paul is only there for let's say two, three years, and he retires or goes to another team, I think just building that culture, building, um, having him around, um, leading that team and being that floor general, being someone who's going to teach Devin Booker how to play the game the right way. And I, I think, yeah, I really like what they were able to do. And yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how how high of a seed they'll get. I'm not sure if they'll get the 4-5 seed, but I think they'll sneak into the playoffs. And, I'll def- and I definitely think they'll make a lot of noise. If they have the right matchup um, going into the playoffs, yeah, and they re-signed Dario Saric, yeah, which is also a good like backup um, position right there. Yeah, exactly. the other thing too, like it's very clear that Phoenix is all in on Devin Booker, and a lot of people would say that the Chris Paul contract is worrisome, which it is. It's a huge contract to yeah. take on, but uh, this was a this was a purely Devin Booker move. This was, yeah. you know, you know that they have a lot of history off the court. They're good friends, and this was just. Get Chris Paul on the Phoenix Suns, let him chaperone, mentor, and Devin Booker could have one of his closest buddies on the team. So this is this is purely for Devin Booker. Yep. They're all in on him, and it's going to be interesting to see what Phoenix becomes this season. I think that their ceiling is probably, you know, a four or five seed yeah. in the Western Conference, which is saying a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're right in that sense that they are going all in. They've been mediocre for so long ever since uh, the Nash and Amari era they've been struggling to even pick the right lottery guys they haven't really contended for for the play, uh, the playoffs for a long time now they've always been that like eighth or the ninth tenth seed uh always winning like 45 47 games but never fully going all in and you know making the playoffs so yeah Devin Booker's been in he's still really young but he's been in the league for several years now and he hasn't tasted much uh winning basketball he hasn't played winning basketball so having Chris Paul in there uh, being an example and you know bringing that veteran leadership uh, is gonna be awesome for that team a lot of, I was listening to uh, Zach Lowe and he was boosting the Portland trans Portland Trailblazers for the offseason moves that they made I haven't really paid attention to them um, or I haven't really um, I haven't really noticed mm-hmm. anything that they've done significantly 
Um, what about you? Like a lot of people are saying that they've sort of um, raised their potential to a possible like three seed in the West. Yeah. All I know is that they brought in um, Covington, Covington, and Cantor. Yeah. But how do you think these acquisitions shape their roster, and why are they all of a sudden on the radar? I th- I think Covington is a pretty under the radar get. I think he's actually a really good get. Uh, I know they gave up like two first round picks for him, but I think he fits that team to a T. Um, there, you know, um, Damian Lillard is 30 years old now, and shout out to Portland, obviously my second favorite basketball team now. But um, having Covington uh, getting some backup center help, um, and they're still a young team. They have uh, John Collins, they have Anthony Simons, CJ McCollum is still relatively young, and Dame is in his prime. And I think I think Zach Lowe is probably referring to just you know having these pieces added in i don't think it's substantial um improvement but how lillard was playing in the bubble in the playoffs i think he expects that to be or translated into the new season and i think you know the team has been real riddled with injuries for the last two years you know uh, nurkic has been hurt for you know the last two years or so um and I think if they have a fully healthy team, um, they can definitely contend for a top four seed in the West. You think it puts them ahead of Denver? And we should probably talk about Denver a little bit too because they lost Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Which is which is a massive loss. Yeah. And where do you think um, these trans or like, you know, the other teams in the West have gotten better? Where do you think this puts the Denver Nuggets? Does this put them sort of in the same position they were in last year or does this put them in a worse position? The Nuggets are the last few years have been a really, really good regular season team, and yeah, they've been performing well in the in the playoffs too. But yeah, losing Lucy Grant is huge. I think he was such a big energy bag for them. Well, here's the here's the crazy thing: they offered Jeremy Grant the same amount of money Detroit did. Yeah, and Jeremy Grant's decision was purely a role related decision. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I don't th- like. I'm thinking about the way he played. I could, I would be concerned to have him as the focal point of an offense or option two, mm-hmm. even three. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I, I don't understand it from a. I don't uh, understand it from Detroit's perspective. What the hell were they thinking? Man, I don't know what they're thinking. I have no idea what's going on with Detroit. They're just picking up all these random pieces and trying, hoping that they fit or that they can somehow you know bring it together, but. Yeah, that team's kind of they're they're gonna stay mediocre for a long time. Shout out to Delon Wright. I'm happy that he got picked up, reunites with Dwayne Casey. I think Dwayne Casey had the ability to um, sort of unlock his potential Mm -hmm. on the Raptors, and I think that he'll put him in similar situations with Detroit. So I always love seeing a former Raptor shine. Yeah, Uh, but Jeremy Grant, wow, turns that well, you know, takes the same amount of money, but um, I just think you know if I'm him personally, I'd rather play for a contender. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, just took the, the personal preference of trying to take his game to the next level. And maybe he does. You know, we've seen guys do that before. You know, who really thought Siakam could become the player he has become in the last two years. Um, and maybe if he just figures out his shooting a little bit, um, can tighten up his sandals and, you know, become a better uh, rim finisher, then he could maybe have that potential. And maybe that's what Detroit sees in him. Uh, but I don't see it, and I, I sounds like you don't see it. And no. it's I, a, 
Sorry? I was going to say, yeah, it's definitely a big loss for Denver, but I think they're, I think they're still a top four contending team there as well. The reason I don't see it is because like he made such a big leap to get to the point he's in now, mm-hmm. get to the point he's at now. I just don't see him making that big of a leap again to the become like leap? a yeah, yeah the hardest the leap. leap to become like a Siakam. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. Like yeah, Siakam is was you know kind of homegrown and he had the right pieces around him. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Anything. Hey, I I love it. Uh, Detroit, one of the biggest. Dumbass franchises. <laughs> they can say they can say bad. I don't care. It's good for us. Uh, they mortgaged a lot for him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll just see how that one pans out. Just I kind of feel for Denver because I was rooting for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're they're getting Will Barn back. They're getting you know the majority of the core back. Uh, and I think that this playoff really showed um, how invested they are in that Jokic, Murray, and now Michael Porter Jr. Uh, combination and that's sort of the direction that they want to go yeah. and that's where you know the focus of their offense is going to be for the near future yeah may- maybe not signing Grant uh, is a blessing in disguise and they have that money now to you know bring in someone else um, depending on how the season goes and see if you know they want to reevaluate want to retool and bring in the right pieces to go along with those big three young guys that um, that are probably one of the best cores um, in the league yeah so we've talked about sort of uh, big winners of free agency, but we've sort of focused on the West. Is there anyone that you want to talk about on the on the East that stood out to you? Um, whether it's Philadelphia, Brooklyn, um, any teams that you think really leaped in the right direction? Um, I liked what Milwaukee did. I know they gave up a lot, uh, but I think they they got better. They got better, and you know they've they've struggled in the playoffs. You know, Giannis hasn't, you know, had the, the big games that he does in the regular season. And they've always steamrolled yeah, over the always, NBA throughout they, the regular season. Yeah, yep. they're historically, historically better than, you know, any really any team in history. If you look at, like, point differential and um, offensive and defensive rating, you know, they're historically up there. Um, you know, they traded away Hill. They traded away Bledsoe. Three first-round picks, two swaps. Um, so a huge haul to not only get Drew Holiday, but I think they, you know, they wanted to be able to secure Giannis uh, and get him to sign that max contract. And they're just trying to do whatever they can, given the circumstances, to do that. I know he hasn't signed uh, pen or paper yet, so nothing is set in stone. But they just had to go all in because if you don't sign Drew Holiday and you have another really, really poor uh, playoff performance uh, with Bledsoe and George Hill leading the way, then what does that tell Giannis, right? And they're just trying to do everything they can to keep him. Um, you know, I'm not sure how they're going to uh, to perform. You know, obviously we don't have that foresight, but I think they're just trying to do everything they can to to keep that team intact because if they lose Giannis, that team is going to, you know, be in the hole for another 10 years. Yeah, and what a blunder the Bogdan Bogdanovich thing oh, was. That's, yeah. Um Looks like he's got an offer sheet from the Atlanta Hawks that mm-hmm. the Kings have uh, the op- the opportunity to match. Yep. Uh, but something went wrong there, and that's that's a big that's a big f up because yep. he was a creator, decent defender, and someone that uh, you know it was said that wanted to play with Giannis and that Giannis wanted to play with. 
You're right. Like, I think Milwaukee definitely got better. They threw the kitchen sink in for Drew Holiday, one-time All-Star. Yeah. Um, it's tough because I've, I mean, you, not, you and I were talking about this earlier. I feel like the management front office is, you know, they're acting out of fear. They're making decisions out of fear. I don't know what the communication like communication is like with Giannis right now, who's in Greece, and management, who's in Milwaukee. It's tough when you're trying to retain a superstar, and not only a superstar, generation generational talent like Giannis. And if I'm the Bucks and I see all these teams not making moves because they're trying to retain space for him, you got to do whatever you can to to make him happy or please him. I just Drew Holiday is definitely a good get. Definitely makes them better in that position that they obviously needed to get better at, yeah. which was Bledsoe. Yeah, yeah. But like you and I have talked about, it, I think the issue that they have is still the last five minutes of a playoff game. I think the last five minutes of the playoff game is when they go stale. Yeah. Middleton's obviously an awesome asset to have on your team. He can create from create for himself. He can score, but it it's shown to not be enough. And I just don't know if Drew Holiday is the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think we might look back on that botched Bogdanovich deal as being a very, very big blunder on their end. Because when I heard about the holiday deal, I'm like, oh, that's a lot to give up. Like, they're still not that great. Yeah, but that's when, what you said immediately. But, but then when they got Bogdanovich, I'm like, man, that's that's a missing piece there. That shooter, that creator, that guy that can just go off for 30 points. And then you kind of forget that they have Middleton, too. And Milton had a historical shooting year. You know, he was close to being part of that 90-40-50 club. And, oof, yeah, I don't know. Now they're, they're still going to retain uh, DiVincenzo. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with Ilyasova. But, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's a big, big mistake uh, on their end. And, yeah, we'll, we'll, see if, we'll see if Sacramento matches the Atlanta Hawks offer sheet. I think it's like four years, $75 million. Uh, but Bogdanovich is a really good player, man. Really, really good player. And See, that's the thing. Like, I don't know if I would do Bledsoe and Hill for Drew Holiday. I would have rather focused on that Bogdanovich deal because I think that you could have had Bledsoe and George Hill plus Bogdanovich. I think that that would have been um, – that sort of puts them over the threshold more than Drew Holiday does. Yeah, Drew, yeah, Drew Holiday is a really good player, but – how much better is he than Eric Bledsoe? I know Bledsoe gets a lot of shit for being a shitty, like a terrible shooter, but he's probably a better defender than Drew Holiday. Um, definitely not as good of a shooter, but it's, I don't think it's that big of an incremental um, impact that he's going to have, and they're giving away a lot. They lost George Hill was one of the best shooters in the league. I, I think That's he what may I mean. Have, I think he may have led the league in three point shooting. Um, I could Spot be wrong. Spot up shooter, but from what I can remember, yeah, he he's always deadly. he always plays really well in the playoffs. He kills the Raptors, um, and yeah, they gave up a lot. They gave up a lot. No, no doubt about it. They got better, but they gave up a lot. I'm just not sure how much better, and that we're going to see that, you know, in the upcoming season. But yeah, well. We'll hey, see. We'll see. I like it personally. I don't <laughs> think they got good enough to win a championship, mm-hmm. and I don't think they got good enough to keep Giannis. And who knows? They might sign Giannis. You know, a lot of people that signed, a lot of players that signed the supermax, they get traded to other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might actually sign him. But I don't think that. You know, if I'm Giannis, I'm not excited about these moves. I don't think. I don't think it puts you in a better position than you were last year. Yeah, I th- given the fact that Brooklyn's gotten better, 
given yeah. the fact that Philadelphia has gotten better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. So what what are your thoughts on the Sixers, 76ers moves to acquire Danny Green, to acquire Terrence Ferguson, and then they also got um, – who else? oh, they got South Curry. Yeah. So I think that was the the second biggest move by by a team in the in the East outside of Milwaukee. Uh, I like I like what they did. Uh, you know they they're um, adding on to a great offseason that they've had with adding in Doc, adding in Daryl Morey, and now they get shooters around guys who have struggled to shoot. So you know I just wanted to get your thoughts on on how you think the 76ers are going to perform next season. Yeah, I mean. Everything that I've admired about the 76ers has been more organizational. I think that they've become like rock solid organizationally, um, especially with, uh, what's his face, Maury. Mm-hmm. Maury uh, jumping on, re-signing Brand. Um, I think they've just made a lot of the right moves from the front office end. My, what makes me, you know, the Sixers have always been a big what if. They're sort of like a ticking time bomb. Everyone's just waiting for them to... Uh, break their threshold, reach their potential, um, and dominate. And I think they're fully capable of doing it. The one transaction that makes me the most excited is Seth Curry, mm-hmm. 48% field goal shooter, and sort of had to do a lot with the Dallas Mavericks, more than he should, because they were so thin. They weren't as deep, right? So he had to do a lot of the playmaking, a lot of shot creating. And I think that this, with playing with Ben Simmons, it's going to put him in a position to just hit spot-up shots. And I think that he's not a good shooter. He's like a world-class shooter. Yeah. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. Um, and I think that having him is sort of brings them back to that, sort of gives them that J.J. Redick role yeah. that they had two years ago. Yeah. And I think they missed that last season a lot. I think that having Seth Curry is going to, it's going to pay a lot of dividends. Yeah, and they somehow got out of that Al Horford deal. They still have Tobias Harris. I know he's on a big deal too, but he's still a... Who people a, are completely sleeping on because he was... <laughs> Yes. Absent last year. Yeah, well, it was tough, especially with Ben Simmons out of the first round, and he kind of had to shoulder that load um, with with Embiid there. And though they got swept, I think he's still a very, very good player. Um, and remember, he he played really well with Doc when he was with the Clippers. So I think um, you know, I think that's something that people are, are kind of sleeping on that this guy had his best playing his best basketball with with a coach that now he's reunited with. So that's definitely an added bonus for that team. And if Simmons is able to stay healthy, he's one of the best point guards in the league. Obviously, 6'10", amazing passer, amazing finisher, just doesn't have that shot yet. And if he's able to even get a little bit better and just not not be scared to take that shot, that opens the floor a lot for these other guys. And then Embiid. Embiid's kind of another question mark where, you know, he had a really strong start to his career. And it's kind of ever since that shot, that Kawhi kind of threw into their hearts, they, they've they kind of just unraveled a little bit. And, I, I, you know, I'm interested to see if he's able to, you know, put in a really strong offseason because they got knocked out so early. And he was able to come in, you know, in the best shape of his life. I know his uh, his health and his um, offseason has always been kind of questioned because he always comes in a little overweight, a little tired, and doesn't always have the strongest start to the season. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. They have a really good chance. They have a great roster, great coach, great front office. Now they just got to put it together on the court. Yeah, I think the way I sum it up for myself is for the last three years, I've gone into every NBA season thinking to myself, watch out for Philly. And they've underachieved 
every single year. But they're a ticking time bomb in the sense that, you know, we're just waiting for them to reach their potential. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this year specifically with a new coach like Doc, especially a coach like Doc Rivers, who's so seasoned, and with the acquisitions that they've made, and just the maturity, hopefully, of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid by now, um, I think that this might be their year. And I think that it's a pretty good year. And, you know, the, the landscape of the East is in such a way where, you know, it's open for them if yeah. they if they want to take it. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, it, it definitely is open. A lot of teams are just waiting for 2021, the, the Giannis sweepstakes, um, and then potentially Paul George and Kawhi Leonard possibly opting out of their player option. So a lot of guys, a lot of teams like the Miami Heat, the Raptors. Um, they're Boston, waiting, they're on standby. Yeah, they're waiting, they're waiting, I know. And it's, it's going to be frustrating for casual fans to to watch and be like, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? But it's definitely there in the long game. And they're just waiting to see what happens with Giannis. Boston didn't get really didn't get much better. They got they got Tristan Thompson, but they lost Gordon Hayward for nothing. So I don't think they got better. They probably got worse. So the East is wide open. And the three strongest teams looking right uh, that are looking right now are what the Nets and still the Nets, you don't know. You don't know how Kitty's gonna come back from his Achilles, you don't know how Kyrie's going to come back. You know, Steve Nash is a first-year no, head coach. Exactly. If anything, if anything, um, Philly's got way more continuity right now than any other team in the East, maybe. Like, they got more yeah. continuity than the Brooklyn Nets, who just have star power. Yeah. Um, maybe not the Miami Heat, but they got a lot of continuity. Like, they got a lot of momentum g- going their way um, compared to a lot of the other teams right now. Yeah, they got the core, the core three guys. And they added added to that. Uh, again, Milwaukee is adding in a huge piece, and we'll see how he connects and how he plays alongside Giannis uh, and Drew Holiday. And again, Miami. I think Miami is going to definitely be a, a strong contender again. They yeah, just, they'll be right there. They they, they they have a really really strong team. Um, you know, uh, top to bottom, just with you know Riley there, uh, Spolstra, and then Jimmy Butler is going to gain a shitload of confidence from. From his playoff run, and those two white boys shoot the lights out, and bam, again, bam, signed a huge contract today, but he is next level, new era center that really no one has an answer for. And, you know, I think they'll, they'll, they'll continue to um, get better, and, you know, yeah, the East is up for grabs, and I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raptors make a little bit, like, bit of noise, too. Like, I don't want to seem so homerish, but everyone's always counted them out the last, um, even last year. Second best record in the league, game seven with the the Celtics, even though they played you know probably way down uh, from their potential and still made it to almost made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, they'll definitely be a strong regular season team, but I think it all that matters about it all all depends on how they do in the playoffs and yeah it might be rough for them uh, matchup wise because there's so many strong teams now in the East like every team's kind of balanced out whereas in the West is really top heavy. You got like four really strong teams and then everyone else kind of battling out for for the playoff positions. But I think in the East, one to eight is really strong. And I think that that's what happened last year where you got teams like the Pacers thrown in there too. You know, maybe without the, the injury to Sabonis, they could have made some noise, right? And there's, you know, these young, young teams in the East that are always, you know, getting high lottery picks. And you don't know if one of these guys are going to come out be a be a superstar and kind of change the landscape of the league. So um, there's a lot going on in the East and 
um, is definitely up for grabs. Yeah, for sure. And and to touch on the Raptors, I mean, all we really lost were our two centers. And, you know, we, the luxury of having good management was case in point a few days ago when, you know, we lost Serge Ibaka and we lost Marcus Hall so quickly. And take notes, other teams. Like, to, it was so quick for Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster to go Aaron Baines, Len, and re-sign Boucher. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know that, you know, skill-wise and experience-wise, um, it was a loss losing those two guys. You know, they're, they're, they're savvy vets, and they were huge locker room guys, and you can't replace that. But Aaron Baines is a good grab. Great grab. Um, Alex Len, athletic. And Chris Boucher, you know, it's probably about time for him to step up. Yep. And I think that he's fully capable of it. Athletically, he's got God gift. He's got God's gift athletically. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would, I'm just saying, you know, I don't want to sound too hopeful, but, you know, he might have a breakout season. Yeah, I think, I think he's shown those glimpses um, of being a really impactful player. He just hasn't played enough minutes. And that's because he's been playing behind Ibaka and Gasol. But now he's going to have, you know, play meaningful minutes. He's going to play down the stretch of a game. And we'll see what, um, what he's made of. You know, he's, He's always been that guy that comes off the bench, you know, shoots a three. You know, you need to shoot that three. Um, and he's just do- he dominates against uh, bench players. But we'll be able to see if he is, you know, a starting center. I'm not sure. You know, there's definitely going to be a battle for for who starts um, at the five there. Uh, I'd, pro- I'd probably give it to Baines as a default now just because of what he's shown and what he's been able to do when he was with the Suns. When Aiden was out for, um, like, the first quarter of last year, he had a great, great run. And he hit nine threes in a game back in March. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy, and that that's gonna help. You know, I'm not I'm not sure about Lens shooting. I've I've watched him enough, but Boucher is a like he's not a great shooter, but he's a he's, he'll shoot. Um, so I think that might you know open up the game for Siakam a little more. Right? And let let me just interject. Like the one thing I want to say right now is. So funny how recency bias works. We haven't really talked about Siakam yet, nor should we because we're talking about free agency. But if there's one player that has a chip on his shoulder right now in the East on the Raptors, it's Pascal Siakam. And, you know, he's been coddled in a way his NBA career thus far. Always been a fan favorite, a big energy guy. Um, This was the first time where he was starting to receive criticism. And it's going to be really interesting to see how he responds, and just from my experiencing, well, my experiences watching him thus far, um, he's will. I feel like he's the type of guy that's looking forward to proving doubters wrong, and I feel like um, this season is going to be huge for him. And I have, I only expect the best. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm a Siakam believer, even though he put up a, I don't even want to say like disgraceful performance. He played so poorly. So poorly. It, was, it hurt me to watch him play that poorly. <laughs> Regardless of how the Raptors did it, it hurt me to see how poorly he played. That, that he got dominated by Jalen Brown. And, you know, there was always debate about who's better, J- Jason Tatum or Siakam. And that conversation was, oh, that was, over. That, that was over within the first two games of that series. Um, Tatum took his game to the next level and Siakam bottomed out. And it's, it was definitely frustrating to see. But it definitely hurt me because, you know, I'm a big Siakam fan um, guy that, you know, uh, late bloomer, guy that kind of picked up the basketball very late in his career. And I think he still has a lot of potential there. Um, and our franchise definitely 
needs him to step up and just, you know, play a lot better, uh, not only the regular season, but to, you know, be able to watch film and strategize and become a, you know, a perennial playoff performer. And I think he has that in him. If we put him in the right position, we saw it in the finals. We saw it in the, the year that we won where he was probably the second option and behind Kawhi and, you know, dropped 20 points, played that great secondary role. And, yeah, he just has to elevate his game um, once more, and I, I believe in him. Yeah, it's going to be – last thing I want to say is going to be interesting to see how Nick Nurse uses our centers because, like we said numerous times, we lost Ibaka, we lost Marcus Hall, but we got a lot quicker at the center position. We got longer, we got quicker, we got more athletic, and I feel like for Nick Nurse now, he's got like four interchangeable parts now that he can just throw in, and um, I feel like – you know, he'll be able to create some nightmare scenarios for a lot of teams just given the athleticism and length now that we have in the center position. It's not going to be so much pick and pop anymore mm-hmm. with Kyle Lowry that we were that we were so used to seeing yeah, yeah. time and time again with Serge Ibaka. I think it's going to look a lot different now. It's going to be a lot more rolling to the basket, um, and we just got a lot more energetic at that position. I think we, we'd be remiss to not point out that Freddie got a decent little contract, you know, uh, the man that bet on bet on himself, undrafted out of Rockford, Illinois, four years, eighty five million dollars, um, well deserved. Well deserved. You know, well deserved. He's been a core piece for the Raptors for the last three four years. A guy that's won at every level: Wichita State, Raptors down to five, NBA champion. Crazy to say, but you know, well well earned and. Um, you know, glad that he's a part of our team for the next four years. You know, we, you know, I, th- I think people think that, oh, he's been undrafted. You know, he probably doesn't deserve that money. But this guy is clutch at every level. He's always been that guy that makes a huge shot um, late in games. And learning from Lowry, I think he'll be the the perfect player to pick up where Lowry, um, when, when, when Lowry does, you know, call it quits or when his game regresses a little bit because he's getting, you know, a little older and I'm sure his body's taking a beating, but I'm glad that we have Fred Vliet for the next four years. Yeah, what fascinates me uh, most about that uh, signing is that it was not too much, it was not too little. Yeah, it was perfect. And shout out to management, yeah. you know, for finding that sweet spot for the guy. And I believe that you know, like we were saying, you were saying, you've mentioned this in the past that it's it's very Malcolm Brogdon like. Yeah. I think that it reflects his market value perfectly. And it doesn't mortgage our future, and it doesn't. It still leaves us very flexible for 2021. Um, lastly, like what fascinates me about Fred Van Fleet is not just the undrafted part, but for the fact that he's so undersized. So not only are you undrafted, you're you're t- you're a miniature point guard in the league, mm-hmm. and the point guard, the point guard role in the NBA has evolved so much in the last five years. It's become so athletic. Um, you know, you could have a forwards body, and be a point guard in the NBA. Yeah, like, like- LaMelo. Exactly. And the fact that he was able to do that undrafted and secure a four-year... Yeah, 85 mil. 85 mil contract is with a player option. Yeah. <laughs> is, is fascinating. Um, I think we should just finish off by getting your thoughts on Gordon Hayward securing the bag. Um, you know, everyone was questioning, confused why he would... Uh, not pick up his player option with Boston for, I believe it was $33 million uh, last year of his contract. And I think we, well, we found out why. Because teams are still vying for his services. I heard that, you know, Boston 
that the Pacers were still offering him four years, a hundred plus million dollars. Uh, but he just went to the highest bidder with uh, with Michael Jordan making another <laughs> outrageous move, following it up with you know from the Terry Rozier signing last year, four year I think it was like sixty seventy million dollars, and now three year. 57 mil. Okay, so yeah, it's just like crazy money for a backup point guard from Boston and now signing another Boston Boston player. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on him getting that, that money and where Charlotte's at? I love it for Gordon Hayward. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. good for him. Good for him. Honestly, the guy's had a tur- such a turbulent three years with the Boston Celtics. Um, in his first, what, 10 minutes... In a Boston Celtics uniform, mm. he had a career-ending injury. Yeah, and so, yeah. this was a guy that you know, sky was the limit for him. And I can only, I can only imagine what he's been going through over the last three years. Um, went to Boston, was hoped to be what a first or second option. Left the Celtics as maybe their fourth, probably their fifth. And yeah, and lo and behold, um, you know, I would have imagined he opted out of his contract. I thought that his he was going to get like a four-year 70 mil, yeah, 80, four-year yeah. 80 mil. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be less than Fred Van Fleet just because they're, the trajectory of their careers look like they're going in op- opposite directions. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, if I was an NBA player, I'd want his agent. Yeah, That's for sure. Yeah. Who's his agent? But Who's I was, his agent? I was looking at the, this actually popped up on my Instagram. So shout out to the 12-year-old that <laughs> uh, made this meme. But in 2016, who's this guy? Zeller? Williams and Batum. Yeah. Combined for they combined for two hundred and thirty million dollars. Yeah. The three of those guys. Yeah. In twenty nineteen, like you said, Terry Rozier, sixty mil pretty much, three year contract. Yeah. And this year, Gordon Hayward, four years, one twenty. Out of those five players we just talked, you wouldn't hand the keys to your franchise to either one of them. I wouldn't even expect any of them to be like my all, third option. All three, all five of these players made franchise money. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why Charlotte is where they are. Um, they got six jerseys though. They got sweet jerseys. I'll give them that. And they got Lamelo. I hope I hope he is able to turn that franchise around. But uh, I'm not sure who's calling the shots. In it's in, definitely not Mitch Kupchak, <laughs> or maybe it is. Oh no, it is. It is. It is Mitch Kupchak. I think. I think he's still there. I'm pretty sure he's still there. I, I got. We got to look into that, but I'm Max, pretty sure Max Kellerman said the funniest thing on first take, and he, it was like completely wrong, but it was just funny coming out of his mouth. He was like, "MJ is the MJ of bad GMs," <laughs> <laughs> even though That's he's not funny. a GM. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just found that really funny because there's something wrong. There's something going on upstairs. I don't know. I don't in know. Charlotte. Yeah. And uh, hey, as a Eastern Conference team, I'm cool with it, but they are the laughing stock of the NBA. Um, and their contracts are case That's in point. Brutal. That's brutal. Yeah, they got nothing out of Patum. I think I, they just stretched him out um, to sign Gordon Hayward, but his game fell off the cliff when he joined that team. Yeah, exactly. What was even wor- worse than the contract was what they did to make that contract happen. Stretching out Batum mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. X amount of yeah, years? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not the way you solve no, your problems. No, no, I, know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, let's let's just end it off at that. I yeah, let's you, end it off at that. I know you got something going on later. Uh, going golfing? Are you doing something later? Well, we're in the men's league. We got the oh, yeah. we got the Monday night men's league nice. that was shaken up because of COVID, so we moved to Tuesday night this week. Nice. Um, still holding on hope. 
cool. you know, my likelihood is they're probably <laughs> going to get shut down once things get worse. Yeah. Seems like that's in the that's the direction that we're going in, but just trying to maintain some normal up in here. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, I'll let you go, man. Yeah, enjoy that. But uh, yeah, everyone, thanks for listening again. You know, we definitely enjoyed uh, how everything's unraveled with free agency, with the draft, and looking forward to the training camp in a week and the season starting in less than one month. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. We were sort of concerned. When we had our last podcast, we were sort of thinking that the season was up in the air. The next season was up in the air. Mm-hmm. We weren't sure when we were going to start having like live basketball content again. Obviously, we knew, we knew free agency was coming up. That's always a circus, and there's always a ton to talk about. But it's awesome that in less than a month, we'll be talking about the NBA regular season again. Crazy. So thanks for everyone who's tuning in. Um, we'll definitely be bringing in some more content uh, in the weeks to come. Peace. Peace.